Well, it's been more than a week, but we are back recording and we are going to be releasing episodes again. And I'm here with the guest of this episode and producer of the pod, Chandler Parrott-Thomas, to add a little context to the episode that you're about to hear and also talk about uh, what's been happening and talk about how this podcast wants to be better and how how it can improve. So Chandler, welcome to this intro of your episode of the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Happy to be here as always. Uh, So something I want to address before uh, people listen to this episode is that I am a white person. Me too. I'm also (laughs) a white person. person. (laughs) And the interviews conducted on this podcast so far have been pretty much all white people. Mm -hmm. And that's going to change. And I realize that that is centering and uplifting white voices and white experience. And I know that I can do better and that we can do better as a podcast. And I'm excited for future guests to come on and share their experiences and amplify those voices and really center voices that are not white. And that's a promise that I want to make as the maker of this podcast. Mm -hmm. And I also make that promise as well as a producer (laughs) on this podcast. Hey, something I want to talk about also is that in this episode, I talk about anti-Semitism. And while I think this is really an important thing to talk about and something that I experience personally in my life, it's not the most important topic right now. And if we're going to talk about anti-Semitism, I would like it to be focused on the anti-Semitism and anti-Blackness that Black Jews experience in the community. And in the future, I will be better about acknowledging that particular struggle within the Jewish community and not focus so much on my own experience of anti-Semitism. And I would like to address the, I believe there's a point within this particular episode where I say something like, oh, everyone's learning at their own pace, scooby bop you know, something like that. <laughs> and I want to clarify that that is not an excuse to be racist, to uphold white supremacist values, just because everyone is learning at their own pace. You can't use that as an excuse for not being informed or not seeking information and knowledge. Another thing I want to address in this episode is that we talk a little bit about what it means to enjoy media that in hindsight you realize is problematic. And while I think that there are ways to achieve this, I want to clarify that that's like a sliding scale and like, and there's some things that, that we see in our media from our childhood that are straight up not okay. In this instance, Mm. we're talking about uh, the romantic relationship between Jack Skellington and Sally. (laughs) And I think it's always Mm. important to come to these things with the knowledge you have now and compassion for yourself and the things you might have internalized. That just like really made me think about all sorts of media or books. I am thinking about (laughs) Harry Potter right now, honestly. We have to be able to look at things that we loved and that impacted us as children in an objective manner. And we can still... It can still hold a place in our history and in our hearts, but we need to be able to look at it and see the issues and the problems and what stems from those and just be able to dissect it, you know, and recognize that we want to recognize it. Yes. And on that note, I, as the host, will make a personal promise that when talking about media that we experience as children, I know that they're most of the media that was mainstream when we were growing up was white centric. And I'm going to do my best to shift that. And also always acknowledge it when we're talking about it because it's mm. inescapable and it 
formed the racism that we do as white people mm-hmm. to a great extent. And I always want to address that and always want to make that a part of it. And I think we can talk about how it made us horny too and all and all the fun <laughs> stuff. And like, I don't want to take joy out of this podcast, but I do think it is important to realize the harm that that caused as well. For sure. Those are, those are my promises I want to make going forward. Chandler, what are some resources that people who listen to the pod can do if they well, want to learn about racial justice? Well, I haven't been on TikTok a lot because I felt like it wasn't the place to be at the moment for the past few weeks. And I've been logging on occasionally because, you know, I'm from the generation of Vine. So I still find like TikTok appealing. But the first video that popped up was by an account called Lele Genevieve. And her name is Alexis. And she's a young black student at NYU who has coded this incredible website, pb-resources.com. And it is just an incredible database of knowledge. You can find literally anything there. She has listed books, podcasts, donation sites, petitions. She has a whole section on trans Black youth and... uh, what not Ooh, so eloquently put. <laughs> let me tell you I am a speaker but I think that that <laughs> that her website could be a really amazing resource and if you have the time the money the opportunity to pay her for her work because she definitely deserves to be paid for this her Venmo and cash app is Alexis Dennis you a-l-e-x-i-s-d-e-n-i-s-e W. I think that's just really important. That's where, that's what's getting me hyped right now. I'm going to link that in the episode notes. Mm. You can check that out. And I also want to say that the podcast is going to donate a portion of the Patreon proceeds every month to a a charity or organization supporting Black lives. And if you have any recommendations of organizations that you really like Mm. and are you passionate about, let us know on our Twitter or Instagram. That's that do it for you on both. And I'm just, I realize that being a white person with a podcast podcast is a place of privilege and I want to recognize and work to dismantle that and also have fun talking about human sexuality and the things that made us horny for the first time. Mm -hmm. So Chandler, I think without further ado, we can get into the episode. Let's get into it. Mm. (laughs) Do you want to rub on Simba's tummy or think that Spider-Man looks extra yummy? The pain of childhood is super funny on Did That Do It For Ya with Aurelia Grierson. Hello and welcome to That Do It For Ya podcast. I am here with producer Chandler Parrott Thomas. Chandler, how are you? I'm doing grand, as good as one can in these lovely times these unprecedented times unprecedented times yes i keep being reminded in emails that the times are unprecedented i'm like oh they haven't changed yet we haven't just gone to precedented times (laughs) no i feel like we're still not quite used to it although i have a bone to pick i'm gonna get a little political on this pod for the 40 people who listen Mm. um i have feelings so ashland Oregon reopened <laughs> today and there were all oh. these fucking sluts running around Ooh. without a mask just Mad. sitting at fucking growler guys all next to each other and hanging oh, out like restaurants oh. are open open restaurants are open 
open. That's wild that they don't have signs or something that's like, you can't enter without a mask. I guess California is not open open yet, but like a lot of places you can't go in unless you have a mask on. Yeah, I would uh, definitely have not had a fucking panic attack and meltdown when I got home from running my work errand. Oh, sweet baby. I know. I feel like what is wrong with people? Oh, I don't know. But PSA to everyone and anyone, if you go somewhere and you don't wear the mask and the employees are all wearing masks, you're stressing us out. Because I can't tell you how many people I get, by the way, I work at a coffee shop, how many people I get coming in with no mask. And I'm like, y'all, it's one thing you got to It literally, besides washing your hands, like one thing that you have to do. I just think our culture is so against collective responsibility. Just so yeah, that's it. Yeah. Collective responsibility. It's pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Chandler, <laughs> how do we know each other? We know each other from Southern Oregon State University. And we met during because we've talked about this a bunch we met during the auditions for comedy of errors and i can't remember what the other one was secret garden <laughs> oh secret garden oh because we both got cast we both got cast yeah. yeah yeah we met during then yeah i remember you uh wearing uh, an incredible jumpsuit and <laughs> it was your birthday <laughs> it was your birthday i met oh you oh my god you did that is so special but i was oh i was so intimidated chandler that's wild so I, well i mean i know that like knowing you now i would still probably be fucking intimidated you're hilarious <laughs> <laughs> you were very like vivacious and confident and outgoing and everyone knew who you were and i knew not a single fucking person no yeah well I think that's why I talked to you because you weren't talking to anyone and I didn't recognize you really. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I don't, I don't know. Sometimes it's nice to talk to new people because it's kind of boring to talk to this. <laughs> like, what the hell am I going to say to everyone else at that time? Totally. I met so many people that day. So many people who went on to be like Aww. lifelong friends. And you were, no, you were very nice to me. Not everyone was. Are you, wait, not everyone was nice to you? Not everyone was nice to me. Oh, tell me after. Yeah, we're going to talk about this after. <laughs> ah, yes. I don't, I, I feel like I bleep way too much personal information on this podcast and I have to like stop doing that. <laughs> I just have to get better about not saying people's names. I need to like stop spilling tea. Right. That could be the ex- the bonus content. <laughs> exactly. You get to hear me talk all the shit about the people you know if you shit. become a patron on the Patreon. <laughs> That's, I mean, Chandler is, is a producer level patron. So Chandler oh! gets all the shit. <laughs> I get everything. I get all those tasty little treats. You guys don't even know the little, the little morsel I get to lap up. Disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> then I feel like our our friendship really grew and blossomed when I moved down to the Bay Area. Oh, that was so... I wish we had gotten a chance to hang out just a little bit more. I was thinking I about that the other day. But I also feel like, you know, we've I've talked to you a lot more than I've talked to other people during this mm-hmm. situation. So I'm I feel like we're doing okay. I think so. We're doing all right. <laughs> we're doing okay, Chandler. And the thing is, is, like, even when you lived here, I liked you so much. I just was, like, busy, like, being a student, and I feel like you were 
you're kind of busy being on your way out. Busy being, being a star. Busy being oh a director. Gosh. Busy I, being I a writer. <laughs> oh my gosh, how could I not mention that Chandler was in my directorial debut of Horse Girls. Oh! And hilarious actor. We bitch slapped so, that program. We, we bitch said, slapped that program. <laughs> we said, fuck your rules. We're doing what we want. Fake blood everywhere. So funny. Because, again, not naming names, but... <laughs> I recently got a job and I, I had a letter of recommendation oh, okay. where I talked about the experience of doing Horse Girls against faculty wishes and then how the faculty like loved mm. every moment and then pretended like it was all their idea. Mm-hmm. You know, I just support student mm-hmm. work, y'all. Yeah. There's, there's uh, academic theater is a wonderful place for students to learn. Yeah. Don't stifle the creativity. Do not stifle the creativity. And <sighs> raise it up. Raise it up. And if there's like one piece of advice I could give to artists who are just starting out on their job, <laughs> it would be to find out what you like to do. And like, really, like, once you know how to thrill yourself, then you have an identity as an artist. And then you can, mm. I mean, not to, this is not what this podcast is about, but I feel like <laughs> we got on this trajectory. And might as well roll for a hot minute. Yes. That's not why we're here today, though. Why, I mean, it's related. I feel like the only thing I ever want to talk <laughs> about in my art and in my life is puberty. Because it's so important. It's so important. I'm clearly not over it. I'll never be over it. (laughs) Uh, It's got lasting effects. Yes. I just, I'm trying to process as best I can by asking everyone else, were you all so horny and weird? And I ask you, Chandler, (laughs) were you? I definitely, I mean, weird for sure. (laughs) Horny, not so, because I was definitely a late bloomer, I must Mm. say, um, sexually. Um, I actually, oh, here is a super fun story. Can't wait. I didn't have my first orgasm until I was in college. Chandler! Even my own, like, done... Well, I didn't start masturbating until, like, until I got into college, truly. And then I was like, rub it out, rub it out. But, like, (laughs) I, I don't, and it's not like I didn't grow up religious or anything, just for some reason, I was like, I never felt the need. I mean, I would hump my pillows, of course, mm, but yes. <laughs> my uh, dear friends, they baked me a cake when I had my first orgasm. <laughs> Those are good friends. <laughs> right? The best. Truly. That Shout is out. So funny. Cause I mean, I don't want to like out you like this, but you're like truly one of the horniest adults I've I, ever met. <laughs> I know. I'm. I think the horniness comes from a need of attention. <laughs> <laughs> You're horny for attention. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. That is honestly, I'm so surprised to hear Isn't that. Isn't that wild? That's so wild. I just sort of thought that you. I mean, again, like I, I've, your upbringing was similar to mine in mm-hmm. like recent hippie households. I feel like your parents probably weren't like conservative about sex stuff no my mom told me one time I think I was telling her a story when I was I'm trying to think of how old I was maybe I was like it was at a time where it was either like late elementary school or middle school so I'm like you know in that awkward stage of puberty and I said something about like masturbation and my mom was like oh Chandler you've been masturbating since you were a child I remember you rubbing your vagina on the floor and I was just like oh and maybe that was it I went no thank you (laughs) You were like, I have experienced shame, and I am never doing that again. Humiliation. Oh, my God. That is so fascinating. Because I think we're going to talk about Nightmare Before Christmas in a moment. Um. But (laughs) I want to talk about, 
I'm going to talk about this for a second. I think there is a way to talk to children about masturbation and their genitals that doesn't center shame, but it's so for interesting sure. and so saddening to, to hear just how often those conversations, and I don't think your mom was like trying to shame oh, you. Oh no, no, of course like, not. I just, I think there's like, I'm so curious about like when the shame starts to creep in. Cause I too was, a, I masturbated a lot as a kid. I started early, but I'm about to say some stuff that I need to like back up with some research mm. and facts. But again, <laughs> and this is a show about feelings, not facts. Mm -hmm. And from what I understand from my limited uh, learning in child psychology is that it's a soothing thing. Mm. And like, it's, it's not, it, there's not like a sexualness attached to it to like, pubescence and like later in life right when, when that starts to happen but i mean again like i was a horny little fuck freak from <laughs> too young <laughs> from a very young age i'm gonna start asking yeah i'm gonna start asking <laughs> guests about the about if their parents gave them the talk and what that was like that's a really good question i think to ask because i personally i can't i don't really have a clear memory of my parents giving me any sort of talk. I even skipped out on like sex ed in high school. What? Oh yeah, we could get a no. I just went to my parents and I'm like, I don't wanna do this. And they were like, okay, which is so like, thinking back on it, I'm like, you guys should have made me do it, truly. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, I've learned things on my own, but it probably would have helped to have a better yeah. foundation instead of me being, which I mean, it's kind of how I am. I'm just like, no, I already know it. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's a, that's a mood. I, it's so funny because my high school was um, supposed to teach abstinence only, but they did not. In Ashland? Yeah, can you believe? Are you serious? In Ashland, Oregon, at the time, I don't know if this is still the case, but at the time, it was supposed to be abstinence only. We did not learn abstinence only. We learned all about contraceptives. We learned so much. I was a part of a group uh, that was at one point affiliated with Planned Parenthood. But when I joined, I think they had just divested, but I was, it was called teen theater. Oh my God. I would like go to schools and like teach kids about contraceptives. Dude. Yeah. You should definitely get like Savannah and Lakia on here because they did stuff. <gasps> they did those up in like Humboldt County. Uh -huh. Oh my I Savannah's a guest. I'll get Lakia on here too. Oh my God. Yeah. Get that, them both on yeah, here I because they definitely it was called like something penny, I remember. Ah. The word penny wasn't. No, it. there are like some there are some like skits and songs that like stick with me to this day like there was oh, ones where we God. talked about pubic hair and like i played a pubic hair and i like crept and i was oh i like embodied it so i was like acting my ass off as that pubic yes. hair there's like certain songs that we parodied and like made to be about like mm. puberty stuff that i i can't hear the original anymore i only hear Oh, no. I'm trying to think of one now. I'm sure it'll, like, come to me later, and I'll have to, like, talk about it on the different episodes. Yeah. There's definitely, like, puberty makes you lose control. Puberty <gasps> makes you lose control. Let's go That now. should be <laughs> some extra content there. Yeah, you I'll, should I'll, do, I'll, like, a whole <gasps> ass recording. Bitch, you can play instrument. Puberty. Do that. Exactly. I will. I'm going to dig up my old teen theater skits and do... <laughs> Do some teen theater for y'all on the pod. Patreon.com. Do it for you. <laughs> oh my god but okay let's, today we've been talking for nearly 20 minutes it and seems. i want to ask so even though you 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 didn't have that horny of a childhood there was something that that that, that did it for you a little bit and uh, i'd love to hear about yeah so i think 
I, I thought about this too. I like ruminated on this mm. for a while. So I came to the conclusion of it being Nightmare Before Christmas for me. And I don't know if necessarily it was like the most sexual awakenings, but I think things were awakened in me mm. because I fudging loved, still love that movie. It is iconic. It's a great movie. It is incredible. It's beautiful. Gorgeous. And I mean, it kind of makes sense that Jack Skellington was the one who did it for me looking at my track record because I have, um, <laughs> you have some skeletons in your closet. Oh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's all like tall, skinny ass white boys, which at this point in my life, I'm so tired of, um, I want to get them out, but that's besides the point. And I think a lot of it has to do with like, it's not even just him. It's Sally too, you know? It's oh, yeah. the romance there. And it's her longing and her mm. devotion and her absolute love for him that I think it was him, but I think it was also Sally too. The relationship, and her, yeah. And that whole relationship because she just like, she saw something in him and she admired him and she thought he was like a good person, you know, and just wanted to help him and be with him. And I just thought that was like the most romantic thing. And also Danny Elfman, he does the singing voice mm-hmm. for Jack Skellington. Sexy as fuck. Oh, somewhere deep inside of these bones. Like, fuck mm. me up, daddy. Bone daddy. Bone daddy. <laughs> <laughs> there is. Yeah, I think I was watching the movie and thinking about, like, what could have done it for you. And I think I was uh, betting that that was it. Because I think... <laughs> We, I mean, when we're young, we, these are our models. This is how we learn about the world. And their relationship is so romantic. And it's like what you said, there's a lot of yearning on on her. And there's a lot of him being dissatisfied and her being dissatisfied. And then he kind of tries to seek satisfaction in some odd places, but like then realizes Mm -hmm. he was there the whole time. And like, we can talk about, you know, problematic relationship models. Sure. But the way that their relationship is portrayed is so artistic and beautiful yeah he never spurns her he's fascinated by her and just that scene mm-hmm. where she like sends up the basket and she's just oh. looking at him with some coquettish eyes that's Catherine o'hara did you know that the voice of sally is Catherine o'hara oh i fucking forgot about that mm-hmm. oh my god and, you know <laughs> Catherine. <laughs> Catherine. thank I you i was like shocked God. and then wiley was like that's Catherine o'hara and i was like what <laughs> A part of you it? know, and then I could not hear it, and all I could hear was David, David, oh David, Alexis, Alexis, <laughs> Alexis. Where are my nudes? <laughs> Maybe that's also why I like it, and I love her song too. The like, I sense there's some. I, you know, the music really gets. It's me an operetta. I, it's yeah, it's gorgeous, and like I, I guess some music I'm not a musical person but I like things with music and I like to connect and it is like that song especially is like so melancholy and I love melancholy music and I find it so romantic did you just fucking get a text what did you get (laughs) you saw my face (laughs) I saw that who did you oh my (laughs) I'm leaving this in it we'll talk about it after but I will say it Listeners of the pod, a long lost flame. Just 
found well, me online. Oh my God. Aurelia, you should have long lost, like you should have people. People from my life? Past lovers on here. How interesting would that be? If the relationship is good. Yeah. Um, I bet that yeah, I could yeah, get yeah. the, I bet I could get this person to, to come on my pod. I maybe already have a, a former flame on, oh, on coming on the, on the roster. And then I had Dante who I dated for two weeks in high school. Right, right. Two weeks. Oh God. That Remember high school dating? High school. Remember that? <laughs> two weeks? Oh yeah. Oh, oh, okay. So I had <laughs> just to like slide over on the topic oh, we can, we can for a second. Everywhere, anywhere we want. Everywhere, anywhere. Mm. Anyway. Okay. So like freshman, I didn't date a lot in high school, obviously, because I didn't even like masturbate until college. <laughs> Taylor I, didn't oh, put out. <laughs> yeah, I did not put out. I was a good little girl, good little virgin girl. But I dated a senior my freshman year and we didn't do anything one time or I remember when I held his hand, it was at a football game and I was sitting next to him and I was like, I talked myself up for so long. Just like, just shove your hand in his pocket and hold his hand. I shoved my hand in his pocket to hold his hand. Everybody don't be perverts. And then I dated a guy my sophomore year and we didn't do anything except for like kiss, hold hands during breaks. And then one time, I think for my birthday, he got me a bracelet and I was like, this is weird. I got to break up with him. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Which also kind of informs to me later in life, especially in college when I was like slutting it up in the most positive of ways. And every time a guy started to like be into me, I was like, oh, mm, this is too much. I got to go. <laughs> Which is oh, so yeah. weird because tying it back, Go on. Things like Nightmare Before Christmas, where it is like that longing, very romantic kind of stuff. I love that shit. I, you know, I read a lot of like manga and I watched a lot of anime, like that started maybe fifth, sixth grade and pretty much went all throughout high school. Mm -hmm. And all of that shit's pretty like, oh, yes, like the high school love yes. and like very dramatic, very romantic. So it's odd to me that I, consumed and enjoyed so much of that in my youth and through puberty and I struggle with it now you know I mean do you think to circle back to mm -hmm. Nightmare Before Christmas and early models that you're mm -hmm. taking in is that I mean they don't get together to the very end That's much cool. of the relationship is based on longing her longing and oh. their relationship is pretty chaste they kiss and that's it that's true and I, I wonder so much if there's some sort of conditioning happening where it's like, no, the longing oh. is the relationship. The longing is it. Uh -huh. And if that's reciprocated, that's it. That's the end. Hold up. Hold up. I also, as someone who like is in theater and whatever, I have such an active imagination and always had an active imagination, especially when I was really into like anime and all that jazz. And so I would, a lot of times, and I still do this before I fall asleep, I'm just like, okay, let's just like have a little story. And a lot of it is relationshipy, but it's always the build up. It's mm -hmm. never the relationship. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. You know, I, I mean, Jack Skellington and, and um, what's her face will always have my heart, but um, Edward Elric from Full Metal Alchemist. I think sexually he did it for me, actually. Okay. Will you explain this to me? Because I have never watched that. Oh, dude. Full Metal Alchemist, you have got... Okay, so like... <laughs> dude, I can geek out on this shit. God. The manga is so stellar. I don't have them all yet, but I... Because 
when I moved back with my parents, my parents kept all my manga, which I thought was really nice. That's sweet. Uh, of them. Yeah. So they're two, but I broke one of the boxes. So I have half of them shoved under my bed right now, yeah. <laughs> but I have most and it's just, and it's written by a woman, which is all the art and the writing is done by a woman. So that's super sick. And so there's a lot of like powerful female characters and like young female characters too, who are powerful, which is really awesome. But like, it's a tragic story. Of mm. course, there is like a longing love between Edward and his like childhood friend, Winry. So there's that, which I, I well, I was kind of like jealous because I'm like, <laughs> Winry ends up with him. I want to end up with him. <laughs> yeah, because that's likely Chandler. <laughs> that's going to happen, a fictional character. But I think there's something about his passion that really got me, his determination and kind of like a fiery personality and very protective, you know, Mm -hmm. like those things I found very attractive and Mm -hmm. very just like, ooh, sweep me off my feet kind of thing, baby. Absolutely. I love a lot of like male characters, especially that I've been attracted to throughout the years have been like very, oh, my dog has entered the scene. Charlie. (laughs) Charles. Hi, Mr. Man. Do I have um, to bleep his name? Will he get upset? Oh, yeah, he's gonna get real offended. He's like, "Will you be paying me, ma'am?" Oh my <laughs> so, gosh! Ew! I hardly pay me, sir. Yeah, hold on. He just sneezed on me. That's oh my rude gosh, gross! Charlie just comes in here to sneeze on you. Comes in, sneeze, demands Ugh, things. Man, not my type of man. <laughs> but <laughs> and maybe that plays into some like. I don't know, stereotypical, like, I'm doing air quotes, female and male dynamics, you know, Mm -hmm. that we are kind of conditioned with as Mm -hmm. children, especially, Mm -hmm. I think now it's starting to change a bit where there's more media that can be consumed by kids that uh, have a wider spectrum, you know? Yes. But especially for us growing up, I feel a lot of it was pretty much like girl boy. Yeah. Which has been a complicated thing to get out of your mind, you know? Yes. Right. I mean, I talked to Eleanor about being bi and I think because Mm. for a lack of bi media, I've talked about this with other guests, Hannah Berg and other guests as well. For a lack of queer media, your brain fills in the blanks in such funny ways where you don't recognize that what you're feeling is attraction and you're like, oh, I want to just be that person and Mm. like wear their skin. It's like, yeah, (laughs) it's like, well, Skin suit. And I think I think if there was just more queer media that oh. kids would be able to recognize those feelings for what they are and have it not be a big deal. But for sure. And it, 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 that's like a separate thing that you, know, you weren't talking totally. about. Totally. But, but I do appreciate the more queer media that has been cut. Because mm. honestly, I'm like in and I'm not sure where I'm at on any sort of spectrum. I'm just floating by. But I'm just like, if I see things and I'm like, oh, it's a straight couple don't really want to boring (laughs) boring I want to see some love that doesn't get represented all the time because I think in a lot of ways it's way more romantic and it's way more beautiful well I don't want to say way more beautiful everything's beautiful like but generally queer things are better so (laughs) generally yeah I just think I think if we're talking about longing the queers have the patent on longing oh they got it down it's beautiful and that I think you really hit, you really hit something Mm. when you said about like longing and the Mm -hmm. buildup, because Mm -hmm. another thing 
about me that I have noticed is that I do love the chase mm-hmm. and like the build up to it. And then as soon as someone wants to take things further, except for the relationship I was in for a while, I've been, well, even with him, I was like, no, thanks, no, thanks, no, thanks. Mm-hmm. All right. But you know, mm-hmm. yes, so I do. all that stuff, bring it in, mix it in a little pot. It all comes back to Jack Skellington, him and Sally. You, <laughs> when you were describing the character in Full Metal Alchemist, there were so many like adjectives that would also use to describe Jack. Mm-hmm. And like the thing about Jack also is that he his like, one of the first things we learn about him is that he is uh, the local thirst trap. Does that word work thirst in this context? <laughs> oh my God. He is though. Like, like he is like after his performance on Halloween, all these like ladies corner him. The and witches are like, ah, hey. <laughs> they're like fondling their own tits or whatever. I don't know. Yes, like the they're like, ah, and then he's just like, no, I want to be known for who I am. And then Sally, like, it knows and the thing about the sally jack relationship is that like he feels misunderstood and she understands him and then even when he fucks up and she's like consistently like hey you're fucking up like this is a he terrible idea and he doesn't listen to her and then he was like oh i should have listened to you no shit yeah you should have fucking done that Shut no that is the most annoying part of the movie is yeah. that she is the smart like he obviously is a very intelligent person and you know very scientific in his I mean that's a big part of the movie is that the way he deconstructs Christmas and makes this holiday that's mm-hmm. so about like just I don't know love I guess <laughs> but he deconstructs it and makes it all scientific and shit but oh, my sister just brought me pizza oh that's so kind dairy free pizza oh yeah um, you don't want the fart <laughs> I've been stinking today. A PSA, everybody. <laughs> I, I don't know what to say because I don't know what I ate, but <laughs> I'm a stinky little girl. Anyway. Uh... No, I keep thinking about how uh, if I'm ever like comfortable going out in public again, like I'm just going to end up farting without really thinking about it. And this is, mm-hmm. I'm positive it's going to be like a weird social thing I have to get used to is just like not farting whatever I want. Not farting in front of people. Yeah. That's a hard thing to get used to. I, sometimes they just slip out and you're like, what do I do about this? Like, you, you forgive yourself because you're a human just, being with a body. Right. Body, gaseous, it's fine. Yeah. Like the planets. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> there's, there's something that has happened to me mm-hmm. in these, these last, like, you know, few weeks where I have developed body odor that I've never smelled before. Mm. I smell different. And I don't know if it's just mm. because, like, normally every day I put on deodorant and these days I don't really do it that much so I don't know if this mm-hmm. is like actually what I smell like but Wiley's Ooh. like you're going through your second puberty and I'm like that's not funny I'm still over the first one and hey I mean why do I smell bad and different it, it might I mean you know the stressed. whole thing with like every whatever number days years every three years or something our cells completely change or something like that i don't know if it's three years don't quote me on that i am not a scientist but well, again feelings not facts feelings not facts i feel like ourselves <laughs> three years or something I mean, like that, that being said do believe in science people this is gonna be the most rambly episode i think we've ever done uh, I, you know what if you have me anywhere <laughs> in any capacity, it's going to be ran. I cannot do a conversation and stay on one topic. It's just not within my capability. <laughs> I don't care. This is the most fun I've had. Oh, I love that. Ever. No, that's not true. I have fun every time I record an episode. I'm sure. They sound really fun. So the best time. 
I enjoy where we go. Anything else I need to say about Nightmare Before Christmas? I have some things I'd like to say about Nightmare Before Christmas. Well, I know it's just it's funny watching this movie as a Jewish person. And yes, oh yes, about this because like as I'm watching it as like a person of the 21st century Mm -hmm. who tries to be you know socially conscious and like it could be you, you. This story could be one of the dangers of a, of cultural appropriation mm. except that christmas is like a stronghold of christian hegemony particularly in in the united states mm-hmm. so like as a jewish person i'm like so torn because i'm so interested in 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 this idea of like a culture tries to take on another culture and then faces consequences mm. i'm fascinated by that narrative in its bare mm-hmm. bones but then as a jew i'm like mm. <laughs> but mm. it's not quite it's not that's not quite the story and I want it to be so badly but maybe this is just a, an issue of me trying to force a narrative that isn't there right that's what I always wonder when like when I start really thinking about things and dissecting it and I'm finding like not necessarily problems but issues or like what have you and then I have to think what to make me not hate something because I don't want to be someone who just hates everything because that sucks yes I go well, what were they thinking when they made this? They probably weren't thinking about that at all. Like, No, not at all. But then I wonder, what if, what would have happened if Jack had gone, like, through the menorah? Was there a menorah door? There, not a menorah door. That's another <laughs> Ooh, Okay, now that's an issue. <laughs> Gosh, it's like, straight I, up. I have been in the last several years like I grew up Jewish and that's like cool but like mm-hmm. my parents were also like hippies and, and Buddhists and like we were I think there's a lot of like culturally Jewish things about my upbringing but not a like ton mm-hmm. of like I don't I don't like theistically I don't mm. I'm like mm. but I can be a Jew and not believe in God and that's what I love about it mm. but it, I've been getting more into Judaism lately and like feeling much more connected to that community and feeling like finding mm-hmm. my place within it Hmm. but with that comes this like realization that so much shit is anti-semitic like so much yeah (laughs) and like something as small as there not being a menorah is like feels like oh gosh the erasure (laughs) yeah why weren't why were all these holidays because what there was a there's the christmas store there's like an easter door there's just thanksgiving can't remember saint patrick's day valentine's day oh so So like like, yeah it's just i mean the thing is like yeah there's no there's no representation anywhere this is like and the thing is again like i'm the the more i learn about judaism the more i see christian hedge money everywhere and it's it's you know uh, (laughs) a frightening thing one of those things where you watch it and you go ah those nobody on that team was probably jewish or probably everyone was either like christian or catholic like they didn't even think about it sometimes like i've been rewatching a lot of stuff because like because of this podcast and there's been at least at least one cringy moment as a as a jew and like everything i've watched and it's so funny how just like every single piece of media from our young lives it feels like always slips in a moment to be like and Jews are greedy <laughs> or like totally there's always oh one and I'm like oh it just like happens and then they just move on and it's bizarre. and it's no big deal because <laughs> everything again it's like mm-hmm. all Christian and shit mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that is so mm-hmm. <laughs> it kinda, I mean it, I find it funny not in like a I mean hum- I never know how to describe what I'm feeling. I don't have the <laughs> word. I, I feel like I don't have the correct vocabulary. Mm-hmm. But like, I find that 
funny in a way that I'm like, people honestly like do write these things or do these things and they don't even like they don't think even about it they, they don't, don't even think. think about it they write racist shit they write homophobic shit transphobic shit oh anti-semitic shit all the time and it's just because our culture is like our our culture is like created and centered around the fear of these things uh. and it's disgusting and i think it's and like to circle back to something that we have talked about mm. it's okay to enjoy media with okay. the understanding that like yeah like this was made and this is problematic we have to do better in the future but i'm still gonna enjoy watching nightmare before christmas oh for sure i started re-watching like 30 rock mm -hmm. and love it that first season whoa <laughs> there's a lot going on there yeah and I know a lot of, and I still enjoy it because mm -hmm. I'm like, well, I understand some of this is satire. Yeah. So I totally get that. And also, unfortunately, that was just the time and it sucks. Yep. And like I said, you, the, the goal as a person who consumes media, I love media. I love pop mm -hmm. culture. And as a person who does consume a lot of media and pop culture, I do think it is my responsibility to, to, educate myself to the best of my abilities, mm -hmm. learn as much as I can so I can recognize when this stuff is happening. And also, you know, be lenient with myself if I want to enjoy something from the past that is problematic to an extent. Like, I mean, there's always like nuance to everything, right? I feel like- For I'm sure. Gonna, but if I have said something wrong, please tell me. I am an ignorant white person and I- For sure. I, I want to always be told when I do things wrong so I can be better. Yeah, we're all learning at a pace and we're doing our gosh dang best. Everyone is living their own separate lives and a mm -hmm. lot of shit is happening. And I just hope that everyone's taking time to try and make themselves better. That's mm -hmm. all I can hope. Please. Because I'm trying to focus on me I'm and that's a lot me. to deal with. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay, we need to start wrapping it up. So yeah, I mean, I feel like we kind of talked about Nightmare Before Christmas. We talked we about got it in there a little bit. We got it in there, yeah. Uh, Chandler, is it, where where can people find you should you want to be found? <laughs> you can definitely find me on Instagram. Oh, please go <laughs> follow Chandler's Instagram. Chandler makes the best and funniest Instagram stories I've ever seen. I feel like Chandler is kind of pioneering the short form video comedy art form. I look forward to your stories every day. Where can they find I should you? probably save them more and you should. post them somewhere. But yes. I just also find something really great in the uh ephemerality. Ephem oh shit. Oh, ephemerality of it. Yes, exactly. But you do have a theater um, degree. Right. <laughs> um, that's true. Is it obvious? 100% yes. Um, but yeah, you can find me on Instagram at Auntie Pino, Auntie period Pino, P-I-N-O-T. And then I guess if you want Twitter, but that's like not as important. Yeah, don't, you don't have, if you don't, you don't, you don't have really. to promote anything that you do not want to. Mainly just go to my Instagram. That is where Chandler does her her amazing That's stories. That's where you see I have a lot, I have an intimate relationship with the spiders in my room. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were gonna say that's where you'll see I have a lot to offer when I was about to be like, yeah! No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, no. <laughs> my last question before, mm -hmm. I, before I, can't believe we've been talking for so long. Um, <laughs> Chandler, did that do it for you? Oh. <laughs> 
Oh, baby, did it? It did it for me, baby. Well, that did it for me. Hope that did it for you. Thank you so much for listening. That Do It For You is hosted and edited by Aurelia Grierson to the best of their ability. It is produced by Dante Tapo and Chandler Parrott-Thomas. Eleanor Hobson is our media and marketing manager. Our theme song is by Eric Solis, and our visual design is by Margaret Chambers. That Do It For You is a sex-positive podcast with naughty words and mentions of characters I do not own. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at That Do It For You. Be sure to tell your friends about us, rate and review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, and if you're interested in becoming a monthly donor, you can go to patreon.com slash that do it for you pod to join our horny little community. 